Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. At the Southern Baptist Convention in 2021, a motion was brought forth for the Credentials Committee to look into removing Saddleback Church from the fellowship of the Southern Baptist Convention because they ordained three ladies as pastors and the Baptist faith and message of the Southern Baptist Convention states, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. That would seem cut and dry. The Credentials Committee was to report back in 2022 with their findings, so at the 2022 Southern Baptist Convention, the Credentials Committee came back and said that they were unable to form an opinion regarding the relationship of Saddleback Church to the Southern Baptist Convention until clarity is provided regarding the use of the title pastor for staff positions with different responsibilities and authority than that of lead pastor. So let's, let's just let that sink in for a moment. I mean, just like that liberal Supreme Court justice nominee couldn't answer the question, what is a woman? It seems that the SBC can't answer the question, what is a pastor? And what this indicates to me is that the Baptist faith and message must be weak if people are able to find loopholes or re redefine the statement of faith in order to fit their own beliefs. If people are able to find loopholes in the definition of pastor, how long before they find loopholes to the definition of marriage? How long before they find loopholes to the nature of God or the personhood and Godhead of Jesus Christ? These are important doctrines and too often we Christians ignore, we just kind of slough off the importance of doctrine. Well, what is a doctrine? Why is doctrine important? Well, one person defined it this way. They said, Doctrine is the body of teachings of the Christian faith concerning its central beliefs. Doctrine is grounded in Scripture and aims to maintain the integrity of Christianity by distinguishing it from non-Christian beliefs. Doctrine is of central importance in Christian preaching and teaching in that it equips the people of God for effective and faithful service in this world. And what you believe actually matters in life. That's the thing. People, they talk about doctrine, and they're like, oh, you know, that, that's for them, them scholar folks. That's for you, you people with the PhDs and stuff. That's for you to figure out. No, doctrine matters to your life. Because if you have wrong doctrine, guess what? You're going to have wrong ethics. You're going to have wrong attitudes. You're going to make wrong decisions. If your beliefs are wrong, you're going to get everything wrong. And it's not just for the individual either. It is also for the church. It's true for the church as well. That's why we need to know what we believe and we need to pin it down and say, this is it. This is us. This is Harvest Baptist Church. This is what we believe. And so everything we believe comes from Scripture. We believe that Scripture is the inspired, infallible Word of God. It alone holds the authority for all of our faith and our practice and our life and everything. But Scripture is big. There's a whole lot to Scripture. And what Scripture says about various subjects of life and faith, I mean, it's, it's all over the Bible. 
And, and so we need to look at Scripture and get the complete counsel of God, but then we, we got to find out what does Scripture say about certain subjects? What does Scripture say about God? I mean, that's the entire Bible there. I mean, it's all over the place. What does Scripture tell us about the person of Christ? What does Scripture tell us about itself? What does Scripture tell us about salvation? And so much more. We, got, we, we have to look at the whole counsel of Scripture. But how do we state the truths of Scripture in a way that we're able to make a system of it? I mean, what, how do we put this all together? How do, we, how do we affirm the truths of Scripture and how do we confront the errors of our day in a succinct way, in a way of summary? How do we summarize these truths that are found in Scripture? Well, what the church has done over time in its 2,000-year history is that the church has created creeds and confessions of faith that define and defend true Christianity. A lot of the creeds and the confessions were born out of controversy. They were born from controversy because the church had to say, well, here's this error coming over here. We got to fight this error. So this is what the church believes because it comes from Scripture. And, you know, as we look at different creeds and such, we, we're going to find that. But we look, they, they, they created these creeds and confessions of faith to define and defend true Christianity. Well, okay, what are creeds and what are, what are confessions? Well, one work defines a creed as a concise, formal, authorized statement of important points of Christian doctrine. And that same work uh, says that confessions are professions of faith that are made, they are declarations of religious belief. And now that sounds about the same. I mean, that sounds like they're about the same thing. But the difference between them is that creeds are shorter and more general, whereas confessions are longer and very specific. Um, creeds are shorter and they have a wide circulation among Christian church churches, meaning that creeds are, can be, and usually are, believed by any and all Orthodox Christian, doesn't matter the denomination. There are creeds where Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists and Anglicans and Pentecostals, they all agree. Uh, on those points. They'll, all, all these different denominations will look at a creed and say, yeah, we, we, we hold to that. Confessions, on the other hand, are longer, they're more precise, and you know, the, it, they, they define what a particular church believes or a particular denomination holds about the biblical view, proper biblical views on different subjects, the interpretation of important subjects. But, again, creeds and confessions are only summaries. And they are only as, they're only worth something if they're based on Scripture. I mean, you can say, I believe this, that, and the, the other thing, but if that's not based on Scripture, then that creed or that confession is worthless. So this one author warned, he said, creeds, confessions, and catechisms are useful only to the extent that they reproduce faithfully the teachings 
of Scripture itself. That's only as far as creeds and confessions go. But this is what we want to do with our Wednesday night study. We want to look at the scriptural view of important subjects as they're described in the creeds and confessions that have been given to us by the saints of the past. And look at the scriptural basis of those beliefs. You know, we don't just hold to something that because St. Joe of, of Joe, whatever, in, in 500 AD said this. Well, if it doesn't have any scriptural bound to it, no. I mean, if we didn't take, you know, all the various beliefs that have popped up in the name of Christianity, and we didn't take it and filter it through scripture and say, no, that's wrong because it's against scripture, if we didn't do that, guess what? We'd all be Catholic. But there were people who stood up and said, you're doing that, but Scripture says this. Hence the Reformers. Hence Baptists. And like I say, to be Baptist is to be biblical. That's what we want to do. And so, you know, we don't follow something just because an old saint said it, we follow it if it's because it's based on Scripture. And the world is still throwing false teachings our way. And because the, I mean, that, that, that's the bane of social media. You, get, you see people say the wildest things, and it's tempting to try and correct their theology right then and there, but then you realize, no, it's not really worth it. Forget it. Let, that, let them figure it out. Because there's just so much crazy stuff uh, out, out there. So we want to have a solid foundation in scriptural truth so that there won't be loopholes, there won't be any redefining of the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Because it's not only a matter of life on earth, it's also a matter of eternity. But why? Okay, preacher, pastor, Al, you, why are you going to bore us with this doctrine? Why study and look at these creeds and confessions? Well, Al Mohler gives several reasons why creeds and confessions are useful and necessary in the life of the church. And I'll just summarize them in my own way. I mean, one, creeds and confessions define truth. We, we, we study these creeds and confessions of the faith so long as they rightly espouse Scripture. And they outline the true faith. So we study them to, to summarize truth. Um, secondly, creeds and confessions correct error. Because guess what? Heresy and false teaching exist. And they're dangerous. They are dangers to the church. They're dangerous to the people of God. They also are dangerous to the world. And we have to correct that. I mean, no, we don't have to correct everyone on social media, but we do have to stand up and say, okay, they're teaching this, but Scripture says that. They're wrong. I know that, that that's very uncouth in our day and age to say that someone's wrong. But when it comes to theological error and, and the dangers of it, we need to stand up and say, that's wrong. That is wrong. Third, creeds and confessions provide rules and standards for God's people. They provide guardrails that prevent people from stumbling into error by providing a rule to follow. And they, 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 they provide boundaries for healthy theological discussion and development. They, they keep us within the bound of truth. That's why, you know, 
you preach from Scripture and you look in Scripture and you teach from Scripture. That's why preachers ought not to be up there behind the pulpit preaching pop psychology. They aren't there to be a motivational speaker. They, are, they, they need to follow the bounds, and they've got to they gotta make sure that the church is following the bounds within those guardrails. Fourth, creeds and confessions teach the church how to worship and confess the faith. They, they guide the church in worship, and, and they, uh, they contain the most precious truths, which we can worship God about. That's why, you know, Brian, he, he picks these songs, and he looks at these songs, and he says, these are telling truth according to Scripture about God, and we can, we can praise Him through that. Fifth, creeds and confessions connect us to the faith of our fathers because they contain the faithful witness of those who finished the race faithfully. Sixth, creeds and confessions summarize the faith. These documents, they don't seek to replace Scripture. Rather, they accurately seek to summarize its content into succinct statements in order to equip Christians with brief yet crucial summaries of the faith. And then seven, creeds and confessions define true Christian unity. Here's the thing. I mean, we hear that a lot. Let's just all, you know, let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But people cannot be united in error. You can't be united over error. True unity, true Christian unity, is being united in the truths of Jesus Christ. You're, you don't seek a unity at the expense of truth. We don't say, oh, well, you know, we're going to just kind of throw out these truths of Scripture so we can just all hold hands and be on a Norman Rockwell painting or, or something. That's not unity. That's compromise. Anyone who says unity above all is a false teacher. So, I want you to hear me on this and what, I, what I'm trying to accomplish. I fully believe that the Bible alone is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It is authoritative for all life, faith, and practice. But it's helpful to us personally, and it's very important to us as a church, that, that we summarize what we believe that Scripture says. We need to know what Scripture says about truth, about faith, about how to live. We've got to live. We've got to align ourselves with what Scripture says. And so these creeds and confessions that we're going to be looking at, they, they've withstood the test of time. They've withstood for centuries. And yeah, n probably none of the creeds and confessions are 100% there. And there might be some things that need further clarification, but at least they're a good starting point. What I ultimately would like to do is to lead us as a church to develop a strong confession of faith. If you didn't know this already, Harvest Baptist Church has a statement of belief. We actually have a document called a statement of belief. The problem is nobody knows what it is. And no one, it's never really used for anything, and it's become sort of meaningless. Nobody knows, I think, when it was created. Nobody knows what was intended with it. And, you know, another thing is that there, it, it's very heavy on second, some secondary issues and it misses on some primary issues. 
Does anybody here even know that Harvest had a statement of belief? Anyone know that? Yeah. So, you know, we got to, that's what we, we're going to, we're going to get there. We're, we're going to, to make that because we want to say, here is Harvest Baptist Church, here is, is where we stand. So I want us to know what we believe, why we believe it. I want to have a solid foundation so that we cannot be moved by error. I want us to think biblically about life and how to live out the faith that we proclaim, that we say we believe. And, and so I, I just want us to stand strong because the world needs that right now. The world does not need churches who just go with the flow of culture. That's not a church. That's an institution of some sort. That's a country club or something, but it's not a church. So after saying all that and my time almost being over with already, where in the world do we begin? So I want to at least start looking at the Apostles' Creed, one of the most famous creeds that, that there is. Uh, there's some creeds that are very similar to that, and we'll probably note some of the differences between them. Um, you may have heard of the Nicene Creed. You may have heard of the Athanasian Creed. So they're very similar to that. But what these creeds do is they give the bare minimum of Christian faith. If you want to call yourself Christian, I mean, you can't believe any less than what's in these creeds. Now, obviously, Christians will believe a whole lot more than what's in the, in the creeds, but you can't believe anything less than what's in the creed and still call yourself a Christian. I mean, the, the creed, the Apostles' Creed, is about as low as the bar will go. You go below that bar, you're not a Christian anymore. Because, I mean, that, it's as succinct and, uh, as possible. So, okay, the Apostles' Creed, it's always been known as the Apostles' Creed, but it wasn't actually written by the apostles. The, the earliest forms seem to have been found in the 5th and 6th century, although some say there was a form of it in the late 4th century. But it, it's kind of had some differences over, over the years. But the reason that it's called the Apostles' Creed is because it is a reflection of the teachings that Jesus gave to the apostles and then the apostles gave, handed down to the church, right? This is, I mean, just a very quick summary. I mean, it's, it's a reflection of what the apostles themselves taught. And, and so the creed begins with a very simple statement. I believe two very small words we believe in fact um the latin word is credo where we get the name creed that's why they're called creeds because it's i believe what we what it is that we believe so you look at those two words i believe and you just kind of glance over them like okay that's the introduction let's just pass over that let's get to the meat of of the the issues but i don't want you to take those two small words lightly because of what they claim i don't want you to take those words lightly because when you say i believe what you're saying is i am putting my full faith and trust in these truths and i'm going to align my life with these truths 
I mean, that's sort of heavy stuff. I am, I, when I say I believe, what I'm saying is I am going to take my entire life and I am banking it on these truths. So, when we say we have faith, it's very important to hear this. When we say we have faith, when we say we trust, when we say we believe, we're not saying that I'm merely looking at a philosophical proposition. We're not, we're not looking at the statements of these creeds and confessions or the statements of Scripture and, uh, and looking at them like we looked at all the different theorems in our math book in school. You know, you saw all those different theorems in your math book in school, you're like, oh, that's nice, and then, but they have no meaning in your life whatsoever. You know, I hear that, heard, heard that all the time from my kids. I don't know why I'm learning this stuff. I'm never using it. Well, sometimes you do, but not all of them. So, you know, you just kind of glance over it. Yeah, okay, the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, okay, great. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Wonderful. I believe that. How has it changed your life? Not one bit. I, I don't align my life with the Pythagorean theorem. I, I don't let the Pythagorean theorem tell me how to live. We can't do that to the truth of the Scripture. When we say I believe, it's not like I believe the Pythagorean theorem. Where you just store it in the back of your mind and then you kind of forget about it. When you say I believe, you are saying, I believe that this is doctrinal truth. I assent to its truthfulness. But then I'm going to wrap my entire life around these truths. My entire life, every aspect of my life, is to be affected by these truths. I am going to hold on to these truths and implement them in my life with everything that I can. So when Paul says to the Philippian jailer in, in uh, Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household, this is how you and your household will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't merely hear Paul saying, okay, assent to, the, to these truths. No, he's saying, assent to the truths, hold on to these truths, align your life to this truth. Jesus Christ is Lord. He died for me. He rose again. This is the only way for me to get to God and get to heaven. I'm not merely assenting to the facts. I am submitting to the authority of these truths. So that's the difference between saying, okay, I believe a proposition like the Pythagorean theorem and, and a truth actually making a difference in your life. Because if you look at theology, doctrine, the truths of Scripture, the confessions, the creeds, if you merely look at it as theorems, axioms, uh, whatever other terms that mathematics uses, if you look at them just as propositions where they don't make a difference in your life, guess what? You don't do anything more than demons do, right? That's what James says in James 2, verses 18 and 19. You know, James says, okay, someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Because you believe 
that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So, you know, we begin the Apostles' Creed. Believe in God, the Father. Great. The demons can say the same thing. In fact, the demons will agree with, agree with the doctrine. But you know what? It doesn't make a bit of difference in their life. And that's what makes, makes us different. James is telling us that what we claim to believe is to have an effect on our life. Because that's true faith. And we're told that this type of belief and faith is necessary. Because now the, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You notice that there's not only the belief that he exists, but I'm also going to seek him because of that belief. I'm going to, that belief is driving me towards something. So the, the, the doctrines that we hold to ought to cause us to trust in God more, ought to cause us to seek God more. We get, conform our lives to that truth so when I say that, you know what, I believe what a creed says, it means that doctrine is moving me. I am, I am basing my entire life on this truth. That's faith. You, you believe, but it, it causes you to act, right? That's why James said, okay, you, you're going to show me your faith apart from works? Well, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. And you look at the saints of old, and that is the pattern. God tells Noah to build an ark. But he had faith, so what did he do? Did he just say, well, I believe you, God. I believe that you're going to flood the earth. See you. And do nothing? No, he built the ark. His faith moved him to act. Abraham, he left his homeland. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness that he would have a child in his old age, and then he took him up the mountain to kill him, to sacrifice him to God. His faith moved him to act. Peter, his faith got him out of the boat. Yeah, his faith wavered, but he got out of the boat. David couldn't believe that the Jews were letting this Philistine dog insult God like he was. No matter, he was nine foot whatever he believed god he went out there and slew the giant so when we say we believe whatever the creeds and confessions say that means these are truths that we live by these these truths mean something to us they determine the course of our lives and so we walk that way one author said faith is the eye of the soul by which that unseen to the physical senses becomes visualized and certain. You know, we might not see it. I have never seen God the Father with my physical eyes. Yet I know he exists, and that moves me. I've never seen Jesus face to face yet. But I believe that he came, that he died, that he rose again. That moves me. I wrap my life around that. So when we claim to be people of faith, and we stand, and we declare, I believe, 
we're not only saying, I believe that these certain tr facts are true, but I'm saying that these facts have impacted my life, and I'm going to live in light of them. We don't need to be a people, what seems to be common in American Christianity, what we call cultural Christianity, oh yeah, I believe all that stuff, okay, then why are you living the way you are when you're away from the church? There's a disconnect there. We don't want there to be a disconnect. When we say, I believe, it's not just I believe when I'm in the church. I believe when I'm at home. I believe when I'm at work. I believe when I'm at school. I believe, <laughs> I believe it when I'm driving through Huntsville, in rush hour traffic, uh, I'm preaching to myself now. I, I, I'm saying I believe even then. So let's be Pete. When we say we're people of belief, Lynn, let our lives reflect that. We want to pray that that would be the truth for us tonight. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.